that the whole purpose of Christmas is actually summed up in the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So the reason that we give gifts at Christmas is because of this. God started that whole tradition of giving by giving us the very first Christmas gift, which was the gift of his Son. Now follow the logic in the Bible for a moment. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, He did not spare his own Son, but gave him for us all. So with Jesus, God will surely give us all things. So if God loves you enough, to send Jesus to die on the cross for you, then he loves you enough to give you all kinds of other gifts as well. So with God's gift of Jesus, you will receive all of these gifts in your life. Back when my wife Pat and I were first married, I gave her a pair of diamond earrings for Christmas. So don't think that these were anything big. I was a Bible college student and couldn't afford much. But I kind of sense she would have liked a fur coat. No way could we afford that. But I bought this, got this big box, and she opens the box, and inside that box is another smaller box that's wrapped up. She unwraps that, and, and then there's another box inside there. You've seen these before until finally she gets down to this little box that had the diamond earrings in it. Now, at Christmas, the big box that God gives to us is she still has them by the way she's probably going to show them off to you but the uh, the big gift that god gives us is jesus christ but inside that big gift or that big box are other smaller gifts wrapped in jesus and there are a lot of them but we're just going to briefly look at four of them here this afternoon four of the things that god wants to give you when you receive the big gift of jesus now you've heard people say that the spirit of Christmas is giving. And I'm going to shock you and say that that's actually wrong. The spirit of Christmas is actually receiving. It's all about receiving God's gift for you. So when I accept Jesus Christ, the big gift, God gives me a new identity is the first thing we find out. And some will understand this because they've been worried their whole lives. They're constantly being worried about what other people think. They're trying to gain the approval of others. And they don't know who they are. They don't know what they're supposed to do. So that is an identity problem. And identity theft is the fastest growing crime in our world today. And the truth is that we've all had our identity stolen. Like, sometimes it's by your parents. They want you to be a certain type of person, but that's not who God had designed you to be. Maybe it was stolen by friends, could be peers, it could be a business partner, could be problems in your life. It could be our culture and our media trying to convince you that you should be a different person. You should act in a certain way. But where do you get your identity? Like, most people go for that in one of three ways. First of all, they try to get it through their work. You ask people, you know, who are you? What do you do? And they quickly say, well, I'm an accountant. I'm a plumber. I'm a homemaker. But that's not who you are. That's what you do. Then some people try to find this identity through relationships. So they'll say, well, I'm a mom. I'm a dad. I'm a grandfather. I'm a husband. I'm a wife. I'm an uncle. I'm a boss. 
And some people try to find their identity through what they have. Like, this is my car, this is my house, this is my bank account, this is my collection of hockey cards. I want to give you some advice. Like, never base your identity on something that you can lose. You can lose your spouse. You, you could lose your career. You're, you could lose your home. Your car could be run into at 11 o'clock on a Sunday night by a drunk driver while your car is parked in the driveway. That story will come out more in future days. But you can also lose your good looks. And if you think that you have athletic ability, you can lose that as well. And I'm so glad that I didn't trust in my athletic ability because... <laughs> Earlier this month, our family went to a wedding in Mexico. A young woman from our church was getting married. And at the resort we were at, our family were kind of the superstars. We won all the competitions at Mexican Fiesta Night. I was even competing there with these young guys. And we had to balance on a board over a fulcrum, and then there was a long board sticking out. And then the guy starts putting these blocks on there on end, one at a time, and you had to keep the pressure coming stronger and not let them fall. And I beat all these young guys. It was amazing. But then the recreation directors challenged our family to a game of volleyball. And I said, do you do this every week? He said, oh, no, only when we see people that can play. So we get there, and it's two of them against four of us. And we said, well, that's not really fair. And Jose goes, yeah, it'll be fair. (laughs) These guys play beach volleyball all the time. The two of them beat us three games to two. But one time there, the ball was hit up a little over my head, and I tried to quickly look up and turn around at the same time, and I hit the ball right into the net. And one of my daughters asks, what was that? And I said, that was the 60-year-old man trying to look up too quickly and turn around too quickly. And he got disoriented. That's what that was. If you want to have true and permanent identity, you must receive it from God and remember that nobody can take that from you. Like 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, if anyone belongs to Christ, so when someone accepts Christ, that big gift, you get into Christ, there is a new creation. So you become a brand new person on the inside, a new identity. The old things have gone. Everything is made new. So a new life has begun. And Jesus calls it being born again. So it's just like starting all over again. And that's what happens when you accept that big gift of Christmas. You develop a new ID. The second thing God gives us is a new ability. You get this new power, this new energy, this new strength, this new capacity. I'm not just depending on my willpower anymore to make changes in my lives. Because you've tried to make changes in your life so many times and it hasn't worked. You've started off the new year, haven't you? And you've had that resolution and you get about a week or a month into the year and then all of a sudden you've lost it. It's because willpower doesn't work. You eventually get tired of doing what you're trying to do, and you just give up. You need God's power, and God's power says, I'm going to give you a new ability. I'm going to put my spirit inside you. So Romans 5 speaks to this. And this hope will never disappoint us, because God has poured out his love to fill our hearts. 
He gave us His love through the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us. So he says, I'm not just going to be around you and I'm going to be working in you. And that's what happens when we receive the gift of Christmas. So God gives you the power to start over again when you've blown it. He gives you the power to make changes that you can't make yourself. And when we try to do it on our own, we just end up feeling inadequate. In 2 Timothy, Paul said, God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. So would you like more power? Would you like more love? Would you like more self-control? Then you need to get God's spirit into your life. He will fill you with this spirit that will transform your life. That third gift wrapped up in the big box of Jesus is God saying, I'm going to give you a community. I'm going to give you a spiritual family to support you in doing the right thing. Because you were never meant to go through life alone. You were meant to know God and have a family around you to support you. But Ephesians 1 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now, remember, you don't automatically get into God's family. You have to be adopted. And that adoption comes through Jesus Christ. And everyone is created by God. God never made a person he didn't love. He never made a person that he didn't have a plan for or that he didn't want in heaven or that Jesus didn't die for or that he didn't want to know him personally. But the only way that you can get into that family is through choosing Jesus. So that family is pretty amazing, and it's great that the church is a family. It's not a business. It's not a club. It's a place where we support one another, we care for one another, and you need that in order to be all that God wants you to be. We're better together. We compensate for each other. Like The Bible even tells us that each of us have been given different spiritual gifts, and it's to support one another in the family. So I've got some gifts that can support you. You have some gifts that can support me. And together, we build this family of God. Now here at HCC, we actually speak 40 different languages. Now, not me personally, but everybody in total. We speak 40 different languages and dialects. And we love the fact that our church is a preview of heaven because in heaven there are going to be people of different backgrounds, different ethnicities, and different languages. Now there's one last gift and that's wrapped up and it's going to be one that will outlast everything because some gifts don't last. I remember as a kid at Christmas time and receiving gifts and by noon, Christmas Day, the thing wasn't working anymore. And God says, I'm going to give you a gift that will last forever, and that is a new destiny. Now, I have a lot of friends and relatives that have gone on to eternity already. Like my dad died back in 2012. My grandparents are all gone. My aunts and uncles, most of them. I have cousins that have died as well. But how do I know that they're in heaven? I know it because they made Jesus Christ their personal Lord and Savior. 
And the Bible says this in Romans 6.23, the payment for sin is death, but God gives us the free gift of life forever in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that free gift comes in the package of Jesus. And it's not something that we can earn. It's not something that we can beg for. We can't bribe our way or bargain our way into heaven. We're never going to be good enough. You can't even talk your way into heaven. It comes as part of a gift that we just simply have to accept. Now, for the past few weeks, I know some of you parents have been trying to find that perfect gift for your children. And and look at what Jesus has to say about this in Matthew 7. If you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready is your heavenly Father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask him? They look at that first line again. Like you're an imperfect parent. Like I'm an imperfect parent. I'm an imperfect grandparent. I get reminded of that over and over again. My grandson Seth and I do some things that Apparently, he's not allowed to do. So one day, he was with me, and we were using a power tool, just a power drill. And I said, don't tell your mother. But as soon as she arrives, Grampy and I were using power drills, and I get in trouble over it. So none of us are perfect. But just think of how much we want to do for our children and for our grandchildren. And then look at God. God is a perfect heavenly Father. And just think of how much more He loves us unconditionally and how much more He wants to give good gifts to those who ask. So what do we do with these gifts of Jesus Christ? But you just humbly and gratefully accept them. And the Bible describes it this way. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. So it doesn't matter who you are. The door is open. All you have to do is ask and you will be allowed to come in. And he will grant you that because of his grace. So if you've not made that decision, let this Christmas season be the time when you decide to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Would you bow, please? I'm going to pray a prayer. It's a 2,000-year-old prayer written by the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians. I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust him. May your roots go deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. I pray that you will be able to feel, not just know, you'll be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, how high God's love for you really is and to experience this love for yourself. Though it's so great, you'll never fully understand it. Amen.